Beginning the track, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. This was Bilana and Harry Kim in the elevator. Yes. This was Anorax and his crazy. Yep. This was Janeway and her obsession. Yep. The doctor closing the hatchway and forcing people oh, to... Oh, the doctor. They did not give him time to deal with that. No. And, you know, again, it was that this whole... This two-parter was going to be a whole season. So right. that was an episode right there, like just dying to happen. And Chakotay being captured by Anorax and kind of coming over to his side and then seeing all of it. Yeah. Like, wow. Spoiler alert, Spoiler guys. Alert, folks. <laughs> we watched Year of Hell this week. <laughs> Welcome to Beginning the Track. We should start with that again, right? Uh, I am uh, your host, your co-host, Andy Goldberg. I am the Trek veteran. I am Jessica Ray. I am the newbie here. Although I would hope that by this time, y'all know the deal. But we'll say it again. If you haven't seen Star Trek, go back to the beginning. Uh-huh. We do get, like, we personally get better as you go along, but the stories are great. Go back to the original series and watch in a, in a row. It's meant to be done that way. There you go. But for those of you that have been following your trek, I have a question, an ultimate question for you, Jessica. Okay. How many official episodes have we watched on your trek? Just episodes? Are we counting movies? Official episodes. I think we're at 42. Two? 42, the ultimate answer to the question. Absolutely 42. Oh, I thought that was 47. Have I forgotten the number again? 47 is the Star Trek number, and boy, oh. is it the Star Trek number. Uh, it's in everything. I didn't even realize it. Species 8472. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I think there's one in here. It's the uh, when seven of nine, it's the frequency or whatever that she has to do to build the. Yeah, 1.47 1. something or others or something. Anyway, we got a lot of, yeah, we got a lot of 47s and things like that. But for those of you that are joining us, today is our 42nd episode. And that is Voyager's Year of Hell, parts one and two. Shall I recap the story for everybody? Yes, yeah, so this week is, you know, you're getting all the two-parters. <laughs> My turn. Uh, at least most of the two-parters in Voyager, but this one is yours. So, Jessica, you are, are you prepared to give us 10 sentences per part, 20 sentences, synopsis of The Year of Hell? I have. I did the math, and even though I've left out a lot, I feel like I can get the gist. Let's see if we can do it. Go for it. So we start off by seeing a very large weapon firing at a city, and with it seems to erase the entire planet's civilization and replace it with a landscape as though it's never been touched. Aboard the ship that fired, somebody reports to the ship's captain, Anorax, that it worked, but that the goal has not been achieved, and we confirm that they have wiped out the species from all of time. Cut to Voyager in this new Astrometrics lab, and we see all the main characters celebrating and showing the abilities with a new course to Earth that will cut five years off the journey. Which means they're currently heading through Zal territory. And look, there's a vessel hailing us. Oh, but no, because they're firing, but no worries, it's not doing anything. Turns out not no worries, as Janeway is chatting up the Zal when the Krenum, that's the Anoraxi type ship comes along and then suddenly there's a spatial distortion heading right at us and then everything changes. Zal and the ships vanish and the small Krenum vessel that was threatening is 
actually threatening and a warship, but nobody knows that this has all changed. Lots of big space fights and Voyager is getting the crap kicked out of her. We discover that Anorax is trying to restore the Krenum Empire to 98% of the power it once had, but more particularly the world where his wife once lived, and they've been trying to do this for 200 years. Lots of time is passing, there's battles, there's teching of the tech, and crew getting hurt, and stuck in elevators, and taking care of each other, and debris everywhere. By the time Janeway's birthday rolls around, the crew is surviving on emergency rations, and whole decks aren't usable, but they've got Seven finally getting shields that can protect them from Anorax's weapons. These new shields also manage to protect them from the latest wiping out of a whole species, so when the spatial wave hits and the Krenum ship turns much less formidable, the crew is stunned to see that history is being toyed with. Anorax then discovers the reason that the Krenum have become less formidable is Voyager itself, and goes after her with a vengeance, picking up Paris and Chakotay. Even though they have this crazy powerful weapon, Anorax's ship can't move quickly, so with no other real option, Janeway leaves Chakotay and Paris behind and runs away, finally giving the order to abandon Voyager. So part two starts with Voyager taking refuge in a nebula and trying to repair some of this damage. On Anorax's ship, Chakotay and Paris are given the option of going back in time to restore Voyager so that he can go back to wiping out everyone to get his lady back from 200 years ago. Paris is like, oh hell no, but Chakotay is oddly intrigued and develops his trust with Anorax and starts helping with the calculations. He has a change of heart, however, when he sees Anorax destroy a civilization, and he and Paris secretly contact Voyager, giving Janeway their coordinates. She arranges a bunch of cooperative other species, which will attack when Chakotay and Paris take the temporal core offline from Anorax's ship, finally making it vulnerable to their weapons. The ships are almost completely destroyed, but Anorax's second-in-command is sick of this life of living forever trying to fix this timeline to Anorax's standards. Janeway uses Voyager to ram the Krenum ship, and the impact destabilizes the core and causes a whole nother temporal wave. Once again, everything has changed. This time, Anorax never made his mistake and is somehow 200 years in the past, possibly, with his wife. And Voyager is being hailed by a much more reasonable Krenum vessel. Wow, there you go. And that still wasn't everything that actually happened. And it was so it was so technical. Like you you got down to some very nitty-gritty details in there. That was that was really cool to listen to. Even so, if you haven't seen it, some of it's not gonna make sense. So Oh, it's huge. This this show, this episode is is one of the the biggest stories stuffed into that they managed to tell well in this little amount of space. So, yeah, we should talk about that. Absolutely. So the year of hell. The year of hell. Let's talk episode. Was this actually a year of hell? Well, or it was nothing. Nothing. It was either a year of hell or it was nothing. And because it was awesome, I gave it a great rating. And because it was nothing, I took a star off. This was going to get five out of five grimy, broken Voyager ships, and now it only gets four, because that's how much I was upset by the ending. Also, a little nitpick about the ending. There's a lot of nitpicks you could do, but mine is particularly like, hey, that's dumb. So we're going we're gonna <laughs> to jump right to the end and say the dumb thing about the end? No, 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 I'll save that. We can get to the end at the end. Yeah, let's save the end, the, the end for the end. So this is... 
not tongue-in-cheek, but actually my favorite Voyager episode. I love the year of hell. First of all, you know me. I'm a timey-wimey guy. Sure. Uh, so Janeway is not. No, she's not. I am more of a Janeway, let's not do this. Let's just stop with this nonsense. For, for a captain that tries desperately to avoid all the timey-wimey, she will find herself in some pretty timey-wimey stuff. I mean, there was already Future's End that I saw, but... Right, that was just one example. There are countless other... Well, not, you can count them. So what makes you love this? Because I realized why I liked it, but you go first. Well, okay, so, you know, we talk about epics, and this was an epic. And in my, like, getting ready for your trek, I discovered... I didn't realize this, but I discovered that this was originally slated to be a, a whole year, a whole season arc. And you could see so much story that they had built in that we couldn't see, but that was clearly there. Yep. This shouldn't have been a season. This shouldn't have been a year. This should have been all of Voyager. We should have started off all shiny and then made it back to Earth. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I think that would have been an amazing show. Well, you haven't seen it all yet, so so we don't know. Well, that's fair. But like that idea in and of itself, it really does hold up. Yeah. The whole concept was slated to be a season. And so I think about like the stuff with Chakotay when he's with Anorax on the ship. Mm -hmm. You know that that could have been an episode or two of just yep. him learning about the time ship and, and, and that. And it's so, so every piece of this was so flushed out for me. It just felt so thick and rich and it all it, it all worked right up to the end in my opinion right that and then that created a really interesting question for me am i happy with the ending because well <laughs> see we keep wanting to talk to timey wimey stuff you just you just want to mm -hmm. jump to the end just right skip to the end because we'll get well in this case skipping to the end is just going right back to just going to before the beginning really yes um, ah, but nothing happens. You don't. You don't actually need to watch this one. And, and yet, the adventure I feel probably happened. And, you know, I mean, of course, it had to happen for it to never have happened. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, then, and then we just start getting into weird tense issues, you yes. know, where you might have, could have been, and things like that. <laughs> but but the Anorex character, so rich, such a great idea. The concept of the Krenum of this this ship that the actual time ship, the time ship itself, and it's mm -hmm. an Anorex having made this mistake and now feels like time is personally out to get him. Yes. Wow. He's very white whale. Very, very much. much. Yeah. I mean, that dude right yeah. there, that, if you want to talk about a megalomania. Yes. Oh. I used that word, the same exact word in my notes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because it just defines that entire character. And that actor, of course, I've seen him before. He's one of those... I mean, I didn't look up, but I was just like, oh, yeah, I know this guy, and I know he's great. Kurtwood Smith, who we've seen on... It's funny. I remember him from RoboCop. He was the bad guy in RoboCop. Oh, Claren okay. Clarence Boddicker. Yeah, yeah. And I remember yep. him, like, spitting blood onto the table. And then you see him as Red Foreman on that 70s show, and he's, a, you know, doing comedy. And here, you got the, the alien stuff totally yeah. works yep. for me. I do wish they would get a little bit weirder. I mean, I get that... The both in well, DS9 had a lot of aliens, so I guess I don't know. But this one just seems to have like, oh, let's do some nose ridges and some ear things, and we're gonna be that's just our that's all the aliens. So, what did you think of the Zal? 
who were the species that owned the space when we first got there. When you know the so you got Crenum douchebag. That, 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 that other Krenum guy, right, that shows up and says, you guys, get out of our territory. And he tries shooting and we're like, um, right. uh, sorry, but yeah. I think, you know, my first impression, okay, Janeway's extra sassy with her new haircut. She really is. Uh, and I was surprised that she didn't even respect, like, I get that we have more power than them, but I was surprised she didn't even consider telling them but like, I mean, she says that we have no harm, but she doesn't respect their wishes at all. She's like, oh, well, they can't hurt us, so we're just going to trample through their space anyway. That's true. I didn't think about that. She did get that. And I was just like, oh, Janeway doesn't care anymore. You know, the, the farther we get in, the more the line blurs a little bit, I think, with her. And you're starting to see that when you really saw the line blur. Well, and like I said, like I've said before, the the problem with watching it the way we're watching it is... I'm not getting a progression of her. I'm getting snapshots. And so she's complete right now. This year of hell is completely different Janeway than what I've seen before. She's tougher. She's, she really is. Yeah. Uh, so I had to completely adjust. Part of that comes from this, the, the switch over here. It's that when we did Scorpion and the gift and you know, things are getting a little serious. Mm-hmm. We have leveled up. If you remember the 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 D the D and D the Kazon were the level one. They were the they were the the, the orcs and kobolds. Sure, and, sure. You know, and and the Vidians. You've been playing too much D and D. I've been playing a little D and D. I've been I've been hosting a game. I've been well. I've been not hosting. I've been DMing a game because it's fun. That's why. Because nerd. But. Uh, we we are, we have leveled up. We've started to you know things are getting more and more challenging. The Krenum, this this was a challenge for Janeway, and it was oh my gosh, it was a gort- it was a challenge for the entire crew. Well, and one of the fun things that we got to see here was we got to see the whole crew get pushed literally to the breaking point. They abandoned ship. They did. Yes. They blow up the Voyager. It's trashed. Through most of this episode, and and by the end, Janeway is killing herself to do as much damage as she can without really knowing what that might do. Yep. She just gets lucky that yeah, this is a part of the ending. We're not going to go there yet. There were two things about this that really stuck with me, and it was the crew banding together was something mm-hmm. extremely enjoyable because every single person was being pushed. Tuvok goes blind. Seven yeah. of Nine gets really human in helping him, I thought, from from what I've seen of the, of the robotic kind of personality before. She spends the better part of a year with that crew in one episode. Yep. And the the trivia scene with Harry Kim and Bellana. Yes. Just really, really great crew banding together moments all throughout this. And that right there was why I wish it was in the entire series because it's so much more believable in this scenario where we're going from super shiny to just like the hull is completely coming off. Yeah. That's so great. And it's so much more believable than, well, I guess the Maquis and everybody's just getting along because we kind of made it that way. I really, I really do wish this could have been, like the entire series. It's funny because you're seeing how this crew is coming together and mm-hmm. a good portion, again, getting back to this is how you're watching these. Right. These, these nine that we're doing, plus the few that you're probably picking up in the way. So those moments that you talked about, 
where we get to see the crew begin to band they together. Happening. They are happening and they do okay. happen. So what you're describing actually does happen. It just doesn't happen around the Krenum. It happens around as we get into the, the, the you know, there's some more stuff with the Borg. There's the Herogen. There's other storylines coming up. There's a, there's a romance or two, of course, because, you know, we're into Star Trek ni- 90s. Sure. You know, um, we're, we're getting yes. close to, we're getting close to. They won't kill anybody off, but everybody's going to. Ex- exactly. We haven't got to the part where we're just, we, we, we can willy nilly kill off a character yet, but. But, but Joss Whedon's coming. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. This was a episode full of contrasts. And I had this idea of, it's not just the shiny to the completely degraded ship over time. Although that doesn't happen extremely slowly. Like it goes from being junked up to like way worse junked up. But it goes from being shiny to junked up pretty quickly. And imagine if you had a whole season. Imagine if you had 13 right, right. episodes of that. You would have seen Been a beautiful this yeah, slow transition. degrade over time. You would have seen. Yep. Like just slowly shutting down decks. Ugh. So good. The the and and losing a first crewman and the whole doctor scenario. Right. That whole thing where the doctor had to close the hatch. Oh my gosh! I had completely. I kind of skipped over that in my notes, but it was so. That could good. have been an episode. That could have been a whole episode for him dealing with it and maybe having some some ethical quandaries and problems where his program's not working and and how he deals right. with a weird sort of and it becomes a glitch or something in him trying to deal with it yeah they, and, and, it, and it probably was it probably was slated for that at one point um so you could just see all these little moments that they had the chroniton torpedo another great moment the little torpedo that was lodged in the tube right when she's studying it and tuvok's like no we're getting out of here and she's just like it's 1.47 was that four seven uh, that was, wait, that is was, that the, is that the Star Trek number? 47? Yes. I think it was. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was. Yeah, that could be. I want to look this up now just to make sure. Well, you're looking that up. I will point out that there is more to that story in the future. Um, Seven of Nine will actually be interacting with that torpedo in another timey-wimey episode where she'll be put back into this episode briefly. That's ridiculous. This timeline can't exist. Yeah, but the Coronaton torpedo... No, don't do that. But the Coronaton torpedo exists outside of time. No, don't do that. There are already so many like strings to pull out that make this thing fall apart. Not even strings to pull out. You don't have to pull out anything to make this entire thing fall apart. And that's part of what maybe like the entire reset button makes me so angry that it dropped a star, but, or not a star. It drops a whole Voyager. <laughs> a whole Voyager, right? Yes. It, it a, whole does. Cr- a whole trashed Voyager. Grime, what'd you call them? A grimy Voyager? It'll, well, yeah, I mean, not a real Voyager, a trashed reset Voyager, but still. <laughs> Remember, there are there is a theory that every time that a new timeline starts, that that somebody travels in time, that the existing timeline doesn't just disappear, that you're basically jumping into a brand new dimension at that point in time and getting a chance to start over. So maybe it actually did all happen in some other dimension that we can no longer see. No. Mm. I have Dr. Who's phone number. Let me give him a quick call. 
Yes, 1.47 There you go, 1.47 microseconds. Okay, okay yep. good. Perfect. So I actually noticed a 47 that you didn't notice. I did not notice that one at all. Um, I did notice there was another one. There was a 47 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if, if it was 47 seconds before the the thing blows up, but we are really good at knowing exactly when something on the ship is going to blow up, like down to the second. Well, maybe our tricorder, like we get in these situations a lot. So in much the same way the Vidians had tricorders that were basically insane medical devices because that's what they needed, our tricorders are just meant to know everything about explosives <laughs> ever. How soon our own shit's going to blow up. Yes, because it happens so much. We just, that's the biggest information our tricorders need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but let's go back and talk about some of these magic moments because there were oh, some. Okay, there, you men- there were beautiful. You mentioned ones. that the, the Harry Kim and Belana Torres in mm-hmm. the in the turbo lift. Um, great moments. Playing trivia. Three trivia questions, two of which any Star Trek fan should be able to answer. Did Did you by any chance get a chance to go uh, and watch First Contact? Oh, the movie. No, this I swear to God, this particular week was extra busy. The third trivia question. Mm-hmm. Was was from First Contact. It was a cute little reference to a First Contact um, to, to the ship of Zephyr Cochran, which was the Phoenix. Oh right, right, right. That happens in Montana. She's <laughs> and then no, and then Seven of Nine was like, I know because the Borg were there, and I was like, ah, she just called out something that's like going to happen in the future. And that was First Contact. Way so. happened in the past. You were going to have me watch an entire movie so that I could get that one line. No, there's lots oh, and lots okay. of there's lots and lots of reasons <laughs> for that movie at this point. There's still more stuff coming, and Borg and Borg Queen gets introduced there. And if you want to watch any more Voyager, you're going to run into her. All right. So you may want the backstory. You may not. The biggest reason I want you to watch First Contact is because it's good. Is still an Enterprise. It's still coming. Out. It's oh. episode our episode fifty. I really wish you would have been like because it's amazing. <laughs> it is. It's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. Okay, but that wasn't your reason. Well, it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> you should watch it because it's a fantastic movie. I think this has more to do with the fact that you're like, no, you can't have spoilers. Go watch it. Like, you're obsessed with spoilers. Well, I'm a little obsessed with spoilers. I've gotten better. Not a little. Ha- really? Haven't I? <laughs> I don't believe you at all. Mm-hmm. I haven't given, like, all the little tiny little spoilers. I let you find the romances. I didn't even tell you about Kira being pregnant with O'Brien's baby. That was so crazy. That was fun, right? That was a fun moment. So we were talking about Harry Kim and all that. So and they, right, the trivia uh, about the right the trivia. So that was a fun moment. I liked the moment with, I liked the the, the doctor dealing with his stuff. Mm-hmm. God, I just wanted to see so much more of that. I wanted to see more of Chakotay with Anorax. That could have been a whole episode. I didn't. That bothered me kind of the most. Really? Uh, but I really enjoyed surprisingly because I was like, why does he exist? Tom Paris, Thomas Eugene, you crazy fool. But he was actually really great in this, I yeah. thought, like as a character. He, uh, kind, he kind of was the voice of reason for Chakotay, who was... see that's, Off the rails, Chakotay was off the rails. But then he changes his mind, like, almost instantly. And and again, if it had been a whole episode of him learning and, and then the whole thing with the meteor, which I thought was great... That was cool. So if we erase the meteor and then they do the simulation and it turns out... All of life stops. Yeah. Like 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 it showed that Anorax at least was... He's such a jerk. The Krenum were total jerks. So here's what happened. The Krenum were total jerks at the beginning mm-hmm. with, douche, with douchebag Krenum. Mm-hmm. The Krenum were total jerks 
right after that when they got their their Imperium back. Right, to 95%. Exactly. And now we're under attack and the same douchebag shows up. And now he's such a douchebag. He's like, well, you know, if you surrender now, we won't kill your crew. And I'm like, this is the... This is what the Imperium is. This is what this guy is trying to restore. Mm-hmm. So I'm not liking what he's up to. Well, the funny thing was I had the same thought of what kind of society and person does it take to create this to originally we were just going to destroy that one enemy. The fact that he messed up on like the second try I know. is so messed up. Like who would use this weapon? Ever. It's so horrifying. And yet, yeah, no, I'm with you. This entire society and him at the at the helm of a ship that can just destroy all matter of one species or a world is crazy. I think about, in this moment, I think about Spider-Man and with great power comes great responsibility. And they had such power. And... That obsession, I mean, my God, left unchecked, what damage could he have done? Well, the funny thing was, is I do think, um, for for all that he's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to erase you from existence, bloop, pick the button. He talks about being able to do this for infinity. Yes. Like, they've been on this ship for, like, 200 years, right? That's what the guy says? Yes. That's so dumb. I need to stop using these, like, dumb and stupid because they're not very accurate or descriptive but that just kind of had me rolling my eyes because the truth is if like if you take out an entire world and erase it from existence there is a finite number of civilizations and worlds that you can do that to Mm -hmm. so you can't do that to infinity and then i thought that they didn't make the point hard enough but i assumed in the end what made it work was they erased themselves and that was the only way to get their to get his wife to want him to come to dinner or enjoy the day with him was to literally destroy himself. And that would never have occurred to him. And that's where I brought up megalomania. Yeah. It would never occur to him that to fix all of his problems, he needs to take out himself. That's the only way to do it. That was the tragedy was he was so obsessed with getting his wife with the one thing that he wanted was to, to be with his wife again. He couldn't see that he was the thing that needed to be erased. Destroyed. Yeah. Yes. And and I totally get that. Like you just don't you don't look at it like you don't look at it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Janeway ever planned so we're we're getting to the end now. I think we could kind of like yeah, slide we, yeah. into the end. We're there. Um so you know for those of you that This is where all the good stuff happened right, anyway. Because right, so so um you know we've got the the shielding, we've got the the our little ragtag fleet of shielded folk mm-hmm. that we've mm-hmm. now outfitted, and, you know, with uh, with the temple shielding, and we've got Paris who made friends with the guy who's going to help betray Anorak, right? <laughs> Anorak, <laughs> and Chakotay's, you know, changed his mind about Anorak being a crazy person, and is like, yeah, actually, he is a crazy person, so let's do this, right? Right. So we're, everything is all set up. The only person that is not done with Anorax appears to be Anorax. Pretty much, yeah. And Janeway's the exact, like, she's just as determined to take him out. She's not running away. She's just like, screw this. We're destroying you at all costs. Oh, yeah. No, she's done. She's, she she's, is so done. Yeah. 
This the, and and that's a, there's kind of a fun moment there where I really look at this and I say that's where she broke. You know, that's all right. You wanted I promised you I would show you where she's going to go over the line, where she's going to cross the line. I think this was it. I think she broke when she had to tell, like she was so determined. She's always been so determined to get home. Yeah. And I don't necessarily, but Chakotay's always been the one who's just like, you know, we could just go to a planet and chill out yeah. and have margaritas for the rest of our lives. Um, and she's just like, no, we're going home. She's the one who's really pushing this mm-hmm. and always has been when she had to give the order that said, to ask you to stay here is to ask you to die. Right. Right at the end of the first part. That's when she broke because she's going to stay there and she knows she's going to die. She's our, like, that's the moment she knows and she's done and she's not going to stop. But from then on, it's not about Voyager and family and crew and all of those moments. It's about need to destroy the guy mm-hmm. who got me to that moment. At least that's what happened in my head, which made it so good. I loved the ending of that first part, they put her and everyone in the worst position. It's epically horrible. And I knew it was going to be reset because you'd have to be blind to the entire story yeah. to not know it was going to be reset. But I desperately wanted for it to at least end with somebody remembering something or some piece of it actually having happened. Because having it completely erased... And I had two examples of this, and one of them is Star Trek, and one of them is not. Having it erased is kind of like if Picard woke up from the inner light not remembering it. Yeah. Do you know how useless the inner light would be if Picard didn't remember his time there? That's why this show made me so angry. Like, these two episodes made me so angry because it's just like that. It's so useless. Because it's so good. One issue that I really have is, did anybody actually learn anything? Right. And does Anorax repeat his cycle and build the ship anyway? Just because we see him go out with his his wife. Wife and leave his work for a time. Doesn't mean that he's not still working on the same stuff that he was working on before all of this started. I don't know. Now, they did show douchebag Krenum guy one last time at the end, basically saying, eh, this area is in dispute. You might want to go around and not be total douchebag there. So does that mean that this version of the Krenum Imperium is better, more nicer, not jerks? I don't not know. Not willing to erase entire worlds? Sure. We'll go with it. The thing I like about let me tell you what I like about the ending. Anorex is a tragic story about an obsessed man mm-hmm. who never gets what he wants. And although he, he, the obsessed person, doesn't know it, he ends up with what he always wanted anyway, even though he has no idea about the journey that got him there. Well, see, that's exactly what I don't like because Janeway has the exact experience. And she does too. And so the question is, is do, do either of them get to learn from the experience? No. I, it didn't, I, I, I didn't get enough of a sense of it when he goes off with his wife that that's what they were trying to say was there was something about this that's going to be different this time. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But I will say that... that um, there is more to the story, apparently, and I don't honestly remember what it is. What, like <laughs> when Seven of Nine goes back to that, the? I know that at some bomb. point there is. Yeah, there's a there's a, another timey wimey episode where Seven of Nine is pulled out of. 
boy, I'm trying to remember the whole thing. She ends up right back in this time frame Mm -hmm. dealing with this chroniton torpedo that was there or with the effects of it having been on Voyager. There's something about it having been there, even though that whole thing didn't exist because the torpedo itself was a timey-wimey thing too. This is one of those, sure, why not, because sci-fi, because you've already like messed with logic so much that I can't even. The entire thing with the ending, like your problem with it is so sweet. Like, did he actually learn anything? My problem with it is that the ship's been in space for 200 years, and if it took out itself, then why didn't it erase him from history? Also, are we seeing a flashback of... 200 years ago because it made it seem like this is in the same time frame and that Anorax is now with his wife at this moment but that makes no sense and I I hate that all of this ridiculous time stuff gets in the way it's enough that I had a hard time putting it away like the ending just threw me completely out I don't I don't know why that like I get why it was there when you say it as oh this is the reason to explain why it doesn't happen again mm-hmm. I guess yeah. in history but it was makes no sense it, it, it enough to throw me out of the story let me tell you how much I hear what you're saying okay I was pretty damn sure that that was going to be your reaction to this episode right from the beginning sure I can't be the only one with this complaining but on top of that I'm I'm starting to get I'm starting to get how you think <laughs> and I get, I get, I get that you love the epic episodes. You love mm-hmm. it when we get down and dirty. Mm-hmm. You love it when we we have big heroes doing cool things. Sure, all of that was here. Great special effects. Great, you know, some great space battles. All kinds Very of cool, cool stuff happening in this episode. And you got a problem when Timey Wimey gets too wimey. Gets too wimey. Yes. Right when it gets a little. You went past wimey, or you went past timey, and you got into wimey. You're okay with a little bit of timey, but when you get yes. all too much wimey in there. Yes. And this one, the ending is. They got way wimey. It's, it's overly wimey. I got it. This is how much this bothers me, is I went, th- and I was just like, okay. I gave the example of the inner light, but there's a scene. Great example, by the way. Isn't it true? Like, can you imagine that entire story ending with Picard not remembering anything? Do you know how cheated you would feel? That is how cheated I would had, feel. We've had episodes like that. We have had episodes where nothing happened. At the end, sure. the only ones that actually know are the people that watched the episode. That was all of the original series. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Wow. Which I got it. I am super excited actually after this entire it had to be said. Uh-huh. I am super excited after this entire journey to go back and see Watch some how I feel about the original series now because I'm starting to get a lot more of what you're talking about of it being a part of its time. Yeah. And accepting the mini skirts and the fact that it's not enough for me as a modern viewer, I really am starting to get that. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, ah, the problems are in context. Yeah, you can see it now. And it, it, it had to be, I still think, feel like it has to be said, but I can see why and, and what it is for what it is. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. Are we going to talk some Trek or are we going to talk some Trek? We are going to talk some Trek, sort of. 
We're going to talk some track, but we're going to talk some old style science fiction. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. So, and when I say old style, I'm talking about like 1930s science fiction. Have you okay. ever watched the original Flash Gordon series? I don't think so, no. Is it super Never, pulpy? Ever. Oh, it's, uh, it is. So, so in 1936, Buster Crabb, the actor, starred as Flash Gordon in a 13 episode television series, just 13 episodes. Okay. In a space opera where he and Dale Arden, the beautiful blonde, and Dr. Zarkoff, the owner of the spaceship, or the builder of the spaceship, or I'm not quite sure who he is on the spaceship, but he's somebody having to do with the spaceship. Okay. Will attempt to fight against Ming the Merciless, Emperor Ming of the planet Mongo. Okay. Now, this was back in 1936, and it was a 13-part series that was essentially the very first ever serialized science fiction television show. It had the silliest special effects with models that had sparklers and flames coming out the back. Like literally they used sparklers on the mm -hmm. backs of these ships to make yeah. it look like they had rocket stuff That's coming awesome. out of them. So you'd see the smoke yeah. even in space. Um, uh, and they had, and I, I, I watched in preparation for this talk, I actually watched the first episode again, uh, a great episode called the planet. Uh, I think it's called the planet of peril. I don't even remember the name of the episode, but that's what it is. Um, and I, we're going to have a link on our on our website okay. to it. So if you want to go watch this first episode, and I highly recommend it, it's going to be important for next week. <laughs> awesome. I love this so much. I do. Tell me, do you – you're more of a, like, film person than I am because, you know, Hollywood and L.A. and actor mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Yeah. Give me some time frame of the, the guy who invented special effects for television, the one where they go to the moon and that kind of thing. I believe that. So let's see. A Trip to the Moon was like the first ever right. science fiction movie about these the this group of scientists that shoot themselves to the moon. Um, and it's it's. I, I, it's got to be back in the 1910s. 1902. 1902. There you go. Trip to the moon, 1902. So it's 100 and... Wow. Wow. 116 years old, that film. Or it's 116 Time years old. Time frame-wise, mm -hmm. Flash Gordon is literally 20... Well, about 20 years after the very first kind of ever closer to 30 or 35 years sci-fi, yeah. like of any like closer to 30 that's still i mean like they're not, this this isn't animation this is live action that's that's kind of amazing yeah, that's 1902. So this is 35 years, 34 years later. We come out with Flash Gordon. We have black and white. We have silly spaceship models with sparklers on the back. We have giant lizards, which I think were Komodo mm -hmm. dragons, awesome. being filmed on a model set in slow motion to make it look like they were attacking the, the people. 
The prosthetics, I loved yes. this when I saw this. They've got, at one point, there is, in this first episode, Flash Gordon Buster Crab gets into a fight with three, I guess, aliens with big, giant tusks sticking out of their mouths. They're walking around in, like, sumo outfits with tusks, and that's all shows them as being aliens and and Buster Crab puts on a fight performance that would have made William Shatner jealous. Oh my. <laughs> so, oh yes, I it's it's quite the impressive. I'm really excited to see this and learn about it. I really am. I saw so much Star Trek roots in in mm-hmm. watching this. It was so exciting for me. And then I began to realize this is serialized science fiction. This is what DS9 turned into. This is what Voyager is turning into now as we start to have these ongoing storylines with these ongoing 70 aliens. years later. That's crazy. That's so beautiful. Yeah. This was its roots. And when we get to next week, we'll talk a little bit more about it. We will be paying homage okay. to the Flash Gordon series and to science fiction of the past. So that's why I wanted to bring this up as part of our talking track. Very cool. I want to switch gears because it's time to discuss part two of Captain Jessica. Oh, okay. Because I... I've got some recommendations to give you, Captain. All right. Future Captain, so that you can make your choice next week. So I'm going to give you three recommendations. You you can do whatever you want with them, but you will not be choosing that episode until next week when you officially take over as Captain. Okay. Next week. So is this and training? you'll be saying which of these. So this is, well, I'm going to give you these three episodes. You can watch them. You can choose to not watch them. I don't know. I watch all the episodes before I choose what I put on the track. (laughs) Okay. It's a pretty big responsibility because it's going to be one of our 52. Right. So So one out of 52 could be really bad choice. Well, I hopefully I've picked three that I think one of them will be a good choice no matter which one you pick. But I'm really curious to see which way you go. I still feel like you're game mastering my captainship just a tiny bit. No, not at all. I did because I haven't seen. Well, here's the cool ever. part about it: you asked for Bellana Torres episodes, mm-hmm. so I went and watched some Bellana Torres episodes so that I could find them. And here's what I discovered: Bellana Torres is a tortured soul. I could totally see that. And nobody tortures Bellana more than Bellana. She beats the <laughs> crap right. out of herself in all the good episodes about her. So um, so, so you're going to get to see that no matter what it is. But let me give you some recommendations and you can go with whatever, however you want to make your decision is up to you. You can do the research and you can select them all. <laughs> and just take a poll and see what everybody likes. I kind of like that. Let's so take a poll, yeah. yeah. My captainship is more of a democracy than all of these other captains. Maybe I'll do that. Take a vote. Maybe we'll see how we'll see how that goes. So um, the first episode. So I picked one from the second season, one from okay. the fourth season, and one from the fifth season. The first the first one was actually one I recommend, but recommended, but I don't think you watched it. It's called Dreadnought. It's the seventeenth episode of the second season, and in this episode, we actually encounter a probe that Belana Torres had turned into a weapon that accidentally made its way to the Delta Quadrant, and we run into it again. And she has to figure out how to disarm this thing that has set its sights on 
a planet or a colony or something. It's going to destroy a bunch of people and unless she can figure out how to stop it. And it's there's a lot of fun jujitsu between her and the probe. Cool. Because the probe's sentient. Oh, that's fantastic. And has her voice. So she argues with herself. That's awesome. Okay. Right? So that's kind of fun. I'll also mention that that episode was directed by LeVar Burton, who played Jordy, who played Jordy LaForge. Day of Honor is the fourth episode, I'm sorry, the third episode of the fourth season. Comes right after The Gift. And in this episode, um, Bolana is, is confronted with the fact that the day is the Klingon Day of Honor when there are rituals to be performed and she really struggles. She is not at all interested. Right. She's rejected her Klingon heritage. She hates her Klingon half. And so this is her coming to choose whether or not she's going to participate in this and what she does. And in the meantime, we are dealing with a royal pain in the butt of, a, of an engineering problem that she has to deal with, too. This episode also features basically the beginning of a romance that she will have ongoingly for the rest of the series with Tom Paris. Oh, really? Really? So, if you want to see... Yeah, he's been pursuing her pretty much for a couple of seasons. Really? But this is the episode where she finally relents and says, there's something here, too. Hmm. So that's something worth looking I'm at. I'm questioning her now. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, like I said, she likes to torture herself. That sounds like somebody you'd get with if you want to torture yourself. Maybe a Maybe I'm, bit. I'm being so hard on the guy. He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. We'll see what you think of him after, after next week. He's just the smarmy guy, right? Like, that's who he is. Well, he didn't um, come off quite so bad. Like, Year of Hell. He I off... loved him in Year of Hell. He's a he, hero He thought, he of, thought of the whole Honeycomb Titanic thing. I don't know how accurate it is, but it sounded great. Right? <laughs> I just, here's the thing. Like, the Sarah Silverman character, I thought was perfect for that, for his character. Like, those two went together so well. Bilana is anti-not-that. Or totally anti that, and he becomes <laughs> he becomes a lot less self centered as the the episodes move on. Sure, and she yeah. and she begins to embrace being willing to like have fun, enjoy parts of her life, right? Like to have have a little fun with life, and 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 Tom Paris is nothing if not fun. So, extreme risk is the f- third option. Yeah, it's the third option. Extreme Risk is my third my third recommendation. It is the third episode of the fifth season. And in Extreme Risk, Tom Paris will decide to build the um, Delta Flyer, which is a brand new shuttle. Actually, this reminded me a lot of a, of a Battlestar Galactica episode where they build the Blackbird. Um, but Tom Paris is going to build this. There is a bit of a space race going on with another ship that's building a shuttle to try and accomplish a similar mission. And while all of that is going on, Bolana seems to be doing some very risky things to herself, hurting herself. And she will end up, will reveal a lot of character about her and a lot of her, mm. she's going through some depression. Okay. Yeah. And, and she's doing some things to potentially hurt herself. Uh, but what she ends up doing is just, is rediscovering herself in this episode. And there's a lot of heroic moments for her. So there's three episodes about Belana Torres. 
I may watch all three. Let's see how much time I have this uh, coming up because okay. all of those sound really great. Yeah. Cool. Very much. I like it. There you go. So, so in preparation for your first command, mm-hmm. um, there, there's your prep work. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure we have all the confidence in the world in your ability to, to take command of, of beginning the track and give us a great episode. So looking forward to what you choose next week. Next week. Yes. We have seen some pretty serious Voyager episodes, haven't we? I feel like they have been very epic, exactly as you said. Lots of epic, lots of cool special effects, lots of Janeway mm. being badass, lots of, lots of, the thing that hasn't been a ton of, we've gotten some Doctor comedy. He is pretty snarky. I love that so much. We've gotten a little bit of comedy, but we haven't gotten a full-on comic episode. And you've seen comedy all the way through the track elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll admit that Voyager's comedy isn't, in my opinion, quite as up to snuff. But this one is a fan favorite okay. for comedy. Cool. This one is a Tom Paris, Harry Kim episode. So we'll get to see Tom Paris do what he does best. Be a bro. Which is be a bro. Okay. And we'll get to see Harry Kim do what he does best, which is be a sidekick to the bro. Okay, that seems like his style, yes. Yep, and we're going to spend some time hanging out on the holodeck. Also both their styles. Right, and we are going to be paying homage to um, the Flash Gordon serial that we talked about when we talked about Talking Track. Cool. And, and the way that we've been doing that, and this has already been going on, so I'm just going to let you know, Tom Paris and Harry Kim have a program or a series of programs called Captain Proton. Okay. And do Captain, they wear their underwear on the outside? They really, really do. <laughs> okay. They really do play <laughs> at being Flash Gordon. And so it's Fantastic. it's basically Captain Proton is is uh, Tom Paris. Harry Kim is the sidekick, whose name I can't even remember right now. That's sorry, Harry. <laughs> God, I think it's perfect think that, for you, my like, friend. Yeah, as much as we're like Chakotay, Chakotay, uh, Chakotay, I think sorry, Harry should probably be like a yeah, sorry, Harry. Oh, you got infected by that one alien? Sorry, Harry. Sorry, like, Harry. <laughs> that's a new tagline for him because he really does like. He kind of goes through a lot of crap and nobody even recognizes. Like, there's not even, like, an O'Brien must suffer. It's just, right, oh, right. sorry, Harry. <laughs> he, he suffers without getting the line. Yes. So I think we need a new line for Harry Kim. Oh, sorry, Harry. <laughs> oh, sorry, Sorry, Harry. Harry. So, so there you go. So, so, so we're going to go on the holodeck. We're going to spend some time playing with Captain Proton. Now, this has just been a Harry Kim, Tom Paris thing. But this episode... Everybody's getting involved. All right. One more thing. The name of the character, the Ming the Merciless character, the evil emperor, is Emperor Chaotica. 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 All right. So the name of the episode, the episode we'll be talking about is in the fifth season, the 12th episode, and it's called Bride of Chaotica. Do I need to say it like that? Bride of Chaotica. I will be watching this Sunday, July 22nd. 
7 p.m. If you like to be on Twitter, that's when I do my first watch and I talk about it. And you can tweet at Beginning the Trek there. Uh, we are on. That's 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So 6 p.m. on the West Coast in the United States, 9 p.m. on the East Coast in the United States. And if you were in. Anywhere else. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Equatorial New Guinea, I wouldn't know what to tell you. But thank you for watching. Listen, listening. yes, thank you. <laughs> So that's when that'll be happening. I'm a little bit trying to think of what's going to happen in the Bride of Chaotica. That's crazy. Right. I, I, I Go for it if you really want to try and guess this one. I'm totally going to try and guess this one. It's actually a fun episode with a really fun little challenge that we... You love it when we so, have to solve problems. Mm -hmm. This turns out to be one of those where you'll be like, okay, that's different and new. I like that. I mean, yeah. that screws up what I was thinking it was going to be, but... Uh. You want a different, you'll get different in this episode. This one will Good. not look like any other episode of Voyager or even Star Trek that you've ever seen. Really. Awesome. That means, yeah, that the crew and the, and the, everybody, like the writers just got to do something cool. A lot of it's in black and white. The holodeck goes to black and white for this program. That's awesome. Like everybody's in black and white. Like they, and they talk about it in an earlier, like it's just a thing. So you don't, they don't talk about <laughs> it in so this episode, silly. but in an earlier episode, they're walking around in black, including Tom Paris and Harry Kim. They're in black uh -huh. and white. Right. And they look at each other and they're like, dude, you've got no color. And, and in, in an earlier episode, they explain how the technology lets it do that. And then from then oh, on, okay. from then on, every time we see them goofing off in there, it's the same as O'Brien and Bashir when they were playing on their holodeck oh, games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, they go to the Alamo all the time. So, all right, come on. You, you've, you, you've delayed long enough. Okay. Uh, so here's what I think. The Bride of Chaotica is actually going to be Paris. So Tom is going to have to, like, the monster is going to be like, that's my bride. And then he's going to get, like, sacrificed <laughs> to a volcano. And so Harry Kim is going to have to find a way to save him from the bad volcano monster. It's like you saw the episode already. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's going to be, you are just going to have, this is, this is like pop, this, here, and pop some popcorn, have some fun. This is a fun little one with a, with a challenge, with a nice challenge too. Mm -hmm. You're going to get to see some great comedic performances. Yes, Janeway can be funny. I have no doubt. I'm going to start busting up hysterically in laughter right now because. <laughs> wow. Guys, he oh, just, yeah. seriously, um, while he's over there having hysterics, I do also want to mention, because I said I would tweet, but you can also find us on Facebook at Beginning the Trek. And on our website at beginningthetrek.com. Or if you want to email us, there's an email info at beginningthetrek that comes to both of us. We love to hear your comments. We love it when you guys review. Uh, so share with your friends, like, rate, review, all of that good stuff. Usually Andy gets to say this, but he's seriously over there in hysterics, guys. <laughs> what she said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to shut this down. Talk to you guys next week. Forty-two. Yes, the answer to the universe and every oh hitchhikers. How did I not get that? I don't Ugh. know. I don't know. I like I've been planning that joke for about ten episodes now, and boy, <laughs> did it land flat at the beginning. Well, I, I didn't.
I, I don't know how I didn't, like, even... I, I love that joke. Of course you do. So, anyway, how many episodes... Anyway. Let's, let's try it again. How many episodes <laughs> have you officially watched at this point? Um, I think I'm at 42, but if we're not counting the movies, right? <laughs> we're not counting the movies. Yes, 42. 42. Ding, 42. ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. This, it's still... I don't get, like, we're at 42, but this is this the answer to everything? I don't know. It's the ultimate answer to the question <laughs> that I just asked anyway. I don't know. Maybe it's a dumber joke than I thought. We should stop. 